Welcome to the No Labels, No Limits podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Box, and I'm very excited to be here with my guest today, Gabriela Masala. And I'm going to let her talk a little bit about herself, but I want to say in our kind of warm-up chat and learning a little bit more about each other, I already felt so excited to share her with you because she comes from such a heart place. And for those of you who either I've worked with personally or you've been listening to this podcast for a long time, we talk about tactical things and things you can do in the world, but oftentimes we forget the connection to heart and to who we are. And Gabriela is in a place where she has had her own journey, has taken many different avenues and and blended them. And I think she will offer us quite a bit in that realm. Um, in terms of a little bit of her professional background, it's extensive, but I wanted to share with you that she is a process catalyst for transformation. So I know all of us in this community look for that, like what is the next transformation or how can I make that shift? And then she also uses that to create breakthrough and to maximize you know, the imagined possibilities. One of the things that I liked is she talks about being a longtime facilitator of several yoga, dance, and healing and expressive art modalities. So when you think about that, you, you just think about both the analytical and the creative side coming together. She's the author of a new book called Everyday Magnificent Practices to Activate an Unlimited Life. It's a great workbook, tons of exercises in it. And we'll talk about that because I have some specific questions around that. I think I'm going to ask Gabriela for you to add to that anything that you think would help our audience have a better sense of who you are in this moment today, because I know it's a changing landscape always. Beautiful. Thank you, Sarah. It's an honor to be with you. I love that first question because who we are in any moment can be so new and fresh. And so what I'd say in response to that today is that I am really about supporting people, individuals, and the collective to wake up to falling in love with their lives, to light up and remember who they really are, why they're really here on the planet at this time, and to really come alive with that in a way that contributes to the field and contributes to the collective unfolding, awakening, and homecoming that I sense is happening right now on the planet. So let's talk a little bit about what is the field in case it's not a baseball field. No. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about what's the field that you're referring to. Sure. It is a playing field, though. It is. I love the perspective of really coming to all of these conversations with a spirit of playfulness and curiosity and wonder and infinite possibilities. And so the field, as I refer to it, is the unified field. If we're using scientific language, the quantum field, it is, if we're using the bhakti yoga language of love and devotion, it's the ocean of consciousness of love. It's the energetic bond and entity that connects everything and everyone to everything else. I love what Thich Nhat Hanh says, a beautiful Vietnamese monk, he's coined the word interbeing. And so that we're not individuals, but we're interbeing. That uh, even science has proven finally what many sages, mystics, indigenous beings have known, 
that we are not matter in a world of matter, which would be a Newtonian-based model of seeing reality. We are actually energy in a world of energy. And that is more of the quantum-based perspective of reality. And so the field is that unified, almost viscous embrace of life force that is what we are. How do people feel that field? Because we separate ourselves from it, right? Well, if we look at the, um, the, again, I'll use the word reality or consensus reality or mainstream conscious agreements. If we look at that for hundreds, thousands of years, we've been in a conditioned program. We've been told we are separate. We are matter in a world of matter. We are separate from each other. And third dimensional consciousness would have that appear so to the five senses. But really, we have many senses. We have a vibrational sense. I'll make it that simply stated that we can sense the field through vibration. We can sense the field through love, that way that love is an invisible force. It can take tangible form, but it's invisible. Um, we can sense the field through the moments of, of mystical awareness, of awe, of beauty that we have when we look out into a canopy of nature or a mountain or or each other's eyes even, you know, so it's not that it isn't human, we are the field, but it's that sense of looking out at a starry night and feeling awe. Of course, for those of us that meditate or that have contemplative practices where we turn in because it's as vast inside as it is outside, we will have more facility in shifting from the programmed perspective that is so literal and separate. And we start to feel that sort of bleed through those kind of scintillating, bubbling moments where we can just be in the breath, be in our bodies, be in the world, and know I am part of something bigger and greater and majestic and beautiful. So I'm thinking about, from that perspective, how does someone get to that place where they start not accepting the reality that has been given on a platter, basically, since we're young, and start reconnecting more to that internal or the vibrational energy versus the matter energy? Beautiful. Great question. Uh, first, it's to be open and willing to see in a new way, right? So again, there's this sense of being willing to unlearn, to unknow, to deprogram, and uh, that takes a willingness so I would say first arrive willing to be surprised, um, to have your mind blown, you know, and that then comes some sense of a devoted practice, whatever resonates for each of us. When I hear people ask, what's the best form of meditation? It's really the one you'll do, right? Because the meditation itself is not a arrival point. It is a practice that over time, uh, allows us to cultivate that state of more expanded awareness, of more expanded presence. So whatever the doorway is for each person, for some it might be science and learning about epigenetics and neuroscience and really starting to connect the whole intelligence of the brain so that we come online with so much more of what's possible in our perception. For others, and what some say is the fastest way is to come into the vibration of your heart. And I'm even placing my hands on my heart right now that just even touching our own heart shifts our attention. Where attention goes, energy flows. And so that the vibration to know by heart, to start to 
really listen more deeply for in any moment, where am I orienting my awareness? Is it from my analytical, driving, logical, linear mind, which is useful? Or is it from what I know by heart? Is it from that deeper place that each of us has access to that has an infinite sense of wisdom and connection and love, the power of love? When in your work, and I know that you work in both the physical, and when I say physical, I'm talking about like the yoga and the different movements, those kinds of things, but you also in your coaching and consulting business work organizationally in partnership. So when folks are in that place where they are within a structure and the structure is analytical or very logic based, let's say, are there ways that folks can stay true to who they are, speak their mind within those within those environments that are more constrictive to who they are emerging or finding themselves to be? Can they stay in those situations? We've worked, my husband and I, with a lot of corporate groups. And, um, you know, there's that sense of people, 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 that from the most corporate, heady client to the most heart-centered, creative person that's willing to try anything in my treasure trove of goodies, everyone has a, a tender human heart. And so in terms of our approach with supporting groups, sometimes we do find that but always we have to go into the doorway where we can meet them, right? So that's essential. But in terms of how someone, let me clarify, are you asking how someone can be true to themselves within a team? That is Within a team or, and, and you could expand, I use the business world because a number of listeners are in that world, but it could be within mm -hmm. a team called a family or a religious, it could be in any kind of group of people where, you're there because you're getting some sort of external validation mm -hmm. um, or recognition or pay or whatever, but your heart is saying, this is not good for me, mm -hmm. right? So it's that tension. Yes, yes. And I love that you actually used the word validation because some of the best advice I've ever gotten is to fire the world and to to cease from needing external validation to honor and live for the soul and honor and live by what we know by heart. Uh, I think that's one of the greatest teachings. I continue to find new levels of initiation of, oh, can I lift my heart here? Can I trust this place in me here? And that what I find in the many people I've worked with, as well as on my own journey, is that when I have the courage to, to trust what I know by heart and live for the soul, that because I'm also committed to contributing to the field of my community, my family, my clients, etc., that what will come will come in such a way that the vibrational match or the communication or the shift that needs to happen will happen in a way that serves the whole, even if that means that someone shifts the form of the relationship, whether it's a marriage or I've seen many people wake up to trusting their hearts and leave their jobs. The sense of not needing to belong or be validated is really revolutionary. So I'm always going to go on the side of trust your heart, trust your heart. I would agree with you. I mean, I would. And I've made decisions based on that. I'm just I'm reflecting on each time it has set me in a different location that I would have never been. And whether it's a physical or 
just a comprehension location. But it's also important to know that those shifts are not always comfortable. I think there's this piece of, okay, I'll do my inner work. I'll meditate. It'll all be calm. Life will come. It'll be smooth. And it's like, it doesn't, it's not that way. Things come, they change. So how, how do we experience that? Or do you find is maybe that's my only perception that others feel like if I meditate, it'll be this calm space always. And is that the goal of going inward? Great questions. For me, I would say there is no goal, that there is a mysterious adventure of life. It is a gift. It is a precious gift to take a human form. And here we are on the adventure. How do we want to play? How do we want to show up? Meditation or a prayer or contemplative reflective practices, whether it's on a walk in nature or cooking or whatever it is for each person that lights them up, I find that essential for me to live as happily and and peacefully as I can with all the things that arise in a human life. So in terms of how to show up to those changes, because it's true, when we do live by heart, live for the soul, it's different than living for the, the structure, the rules, the agreements of the culture. And so there will be times that our, our following our hearts will uh, stir some chaos and stir a lot of discomfort. And yet if I'm navigating from a place of remembering, I can rest in my heart, I can trust, I can trust this place in me, no matter what, more than anything externally would tell me is the right thing to do, then we start to build a stronger muscle, right? So that that becomes the resting place, the place of trust, no matter what's arising. And I love the remembrance that I still remind myself of a lot, that when we move from the orientation of living in a world of a separate paradigm, a paradigm of separation to orienting to a uh, what Charles Einstein calls the new ancient story or living in a world of interbeing and wholeness. When we make those changes, the changes will be unexpected and unpredictable in terms of their outcome. Because if we were going to be able to control and measure and keep comfortable the outcomes in our lives, we would be back in the scientific model of separation. So just by nature, the quantum, the field, it is spontaneous. It is infinite. It is unexpected and unpredictable. And so are we. Can you talk about the role then that surrender to that has for us? Yes. And I'd love to connect that, Sarah, back to the body so that it's an embodied experience, not a concept. So a surrender, even in the midst of a very uncomfortable, growing pain, to be able to sit back in my own spine, to close my eyes and pause, to take deep breaths, to find that place in my own deepest awareness. And it doesn't have to be eyes closed internal. It can be even going out in nature. The natural world is such a beautiful place to surrender, to even lay down on the earth in a beautiful spot or lean against a tree or connect to the sky and take a few deep breaths and, and kind of give ourselves over to there's something bigger living us. There's something breathing me. And I can relax into that, surrender into that. Um, another practice that's very simple that can be done by anyone anywhere is 
to go to sleep at night and place one hand on their hearts, one hand on their bellies, close their eyes, breathe deeply and find a place where we are giving ourselves into the arms of the mystery, the beloved uh, God, whatever word you use to put yourself in the hands of something greater that's got you, that loves you and surrender. I find sometimes when there's a situation that's new, so you can't control it, you don't know what's coming. Others may have been there before you, but it's new to you. To re it has helped me to remember that I had all the skills that got me through to now. I'm not gonna be abandoned. Mm. I mean, it's, it's just like, it'll be fine. And I was in a conversation yesterday, we're working on this big project and there are a ton of moving pieces. Right. And the gal who's I think of her as like you picture the old stage coaches, right? She's got all these horses galloping, doing things to pull this together. And she's got the reins. And um, she was talking about that. I says, well, here's the good news. And I get I told her the date. I said, on this date, that's all behind us. And she starts laughing. I says, true story. The clock's ticking. We're moving forward. It's all going to be great. But I'm thinking if you remember the horses that you're kind of feeling and guiding, they're all in it with you, right? No one's being left out. We're all trying to go in the same direction. It's a little messy sometimes, but it's that sense of trusting what's there, but also what's also around it that has brought us to this moment together. And yes. it's not, I don't think it's an accident that we show up in our rooms together with people, whether they're strangers or at a gas station, right? It's Personal opinion, I don't know. I would ask you what you think of that. That's beautiful. You know, I love, um, it's actually Ram Das that says, we're all walking each other home. And I really love that expression. And for me, home is the remembrance that we are whole. And so I love that you use that example that you even said, no one's being abandoned. And so that, that for me, one of the most essential pieces to remember in moments like that is that, I'm not going to abandon myself, right? Because the moment I go into my analytical mind and start driving from only that place, I have left parts of myself behind. And so that how can I come first to my own presence and then to a team I'm part of and then to a larger project with all those moving parts, say, okay, I'm bringing my whole brain intelligence. I'm bringing my whole heart intelligence. I'm bringing the depth and knowing and connection of all those who have walked with me up to this point, my skills, my love, my willingness to let go to the great unknown. I'm trusting myself, the mystery, and I'm trusting you and my other coworkers. And you said it too. We're going to create something great together. So that intention and that way of designing forward what you're unfolding is really vital as we create as well. And it's really fun. Yeah. It's really fun when you get to do that. We can trust that. We can. Especially if you, when you hear that voice that's going, well, maybe I should do it this way, or, you know, because someone else has a different idea. And I don't mean it's a different idea that's not good, but it's a different idea about who you should be or who, how you should show up. But when we trust us, there's just more ease. Yes. Yes. You know? And so, it often has a bodily felt state, right? To connect it back. Connect talk back. more about that. What's so, the bodily felt state? Yeah, my Well, my husband and I talk about the body, ah, right? It has that, you can even say it, ah, 
that when there's important decisions to be made, when there's uh, whatever it may be, whether it's professional or relational or uh, real, some of these real challenging moments we go through in any human life, that to be able to weigh decisions that need to be made, directions that need to be made, and to first get out of our heads and then to kind of lift back the veils from what others are telling us we should do or how we should be or who we should be, and to then really feel into our deepest heart, have a moment of breath and surrender, and then feel in the body for that place, whereas we weigh a decision or direction, we get that, ah, it's an instinctual, it's an, it's the intelligence of the body when it's not corrupted or misdirected. How did you come to this? Have you always been in this space or is this something that started for you as a young child of, of this wondering and kind of connecting? Both. I would say both from a very, very early age before I can form words to tell you what I'm about to say. I, I could feel that I was connected to a vast field of mystery and that felt like love. It felt like safety. It felt like home. And I would look out at the stars and I was just three years old and I would feel that sense of awe and love and home and trust. And with it, a sense of, and I'm here now on this planet and there's something for me to do. And I didn't know at that time what I have come to develop over the last 30, 40, 50 years of really honing in and following the hearts, knowing and passions, all the many diverse teachings, world spiritualities, universal wisdom, um, energy medicine, embodied practices, creativity practices. So all of this unfolded, but from a very early age, I knew that we are all mystical love beings and, uh, and that this is a very powerful time to be on the planet in terms of what's happening. I feel like it's go time for all of us who are awake and willing. Say what that means. What does that mean, go time? Yeah, go time. We are at a critical mass point. As so many of your intelligent listeners know, we're at a place where we must shift our relationship to our planet, uh, which I'd love to start calling our garden planet. I love this planet. I want to thrive here in stewardship, in right relationship, in awakened heart consciousness to it and to all the beings on it. So there's all of our systems are needing a massive revival, overhaul, reinvention, recreation. And, uh, and it's time. It's time to do it. It's really, it's evolve or die time. When someone feels that, like, well, I'm one person, it's evolve or die, what, what can I do? What do you say about that? What I say about that is that every one of us is a cell on a larger body of life that we can call the human family or the planetary family, and that every single choice that we make and even if it's simple around, am I going to relax into love here? Am I willing to find a vision for my own life and for our planet that is more uplifted, that is more life-giving than even what the news or the mainstream media might be feeding into so many of our senses? To, to come alive and to come awake in our own unique way 
and to come home to what we know, again, this theme of knowing by heart um, is such a great service, is such a great contribution. And we need as many as possible of us to light up now because as we light up, we light up the world. So there is no single person whose life or actions are too small. That's a beautiful thing to remind us all of because it's very easy, especially when you're talking about like just the input that comes in from news or whatever, but the external input about how overwhelming and how fast things are. And the truth is you don't have to be quote unquote special or in control or in power because you are by just being you. If you choose to be fully you. Right. Yes. I love um, Dr. Joe Dispenza, who's one of my mentors and has really been a great luminary that's touching so many lives, reminding every single person, you are a genius. You have a genius within you. It's all within you to really light up that falling in love with our lives, you know, is also so much of his message that we are supernatural. It's not just one of us. We are divine creators, all of us. Hey there, No Labels, No Limits podcast listeners. Over the course of this podcast, we've been pretty intentional about not using advertising so that we can bring you nothing but inspirational stories. But today, for the first time, I wanted to share with you that there are two opportunities coming up. If you've been considering finding a coach, Now's the time to review the six-week Strategic Vision Achievers mini course or the 12-week intensive course. Find out more information about visiting sarahbox.com forward slash coaching or shoot me an email at sarah at sarahbox.com. Put in six-week or 12-week coaching and I'll follow up with you. Thanks and let's get back to the podcast. I'm going to ask you to share some about your book, if you will, because I think it's a great, it's very accessible. Let me say that. So when folks are wondering, well, is this something that would be beneficial? Let me just say the short answer is yes. Um, it's practical. So if you could describe your book, and then I'm going to ask you to, to actually talk more in detail about three pieces of it. Sure. So the book is an interactive journal. The first 25 pages or so are instructional, foundational practices, touchstones, activities. It is uh, an expressive arts journal that integrates writing, sentence stems, mandalas, or, or playing with visual art, and many, many uh, practices for meditation and for an embodied, intimate relationship to life that's playful. And so most of the book, the other 125 some on pages are templates for the reader or participant to fill in for themselves. And it's really a, a journey from a more limited way of seeing ourselves to a more unlimited, uh, expanded way of being in ourselves and in life. It's self-discovery. It is waking up to who we are now and then seeing that unfold on the pages before us in a way that really gets us into a lifestyle shift, ideally over the three months to a whole year. I've had people who have taken a whole year to complete it. And uh, it it really is, it's it's a joy. I mean, I love it. I keep doing it over and over again. <laughs> Folks, even though I don't show you the video, it's true. Gabriela's face is totally lit up when she's talking about that. I can see that you're picturing the exercises and all of the work in it as you're doing that. 
There are three touchstones that you talk about in there that I thought all of, of, of the seven, I thought they were all important, but I thought these three kind of spoke to me in the moment. Um, and I'm wondering if you could share them a little bit more about what they are, how you do them and why the, and I don't even want to say the benefit, but why. And one is the first one is the pause and surrender. Beautiful. Sure. So we spoke some about uh, pause and surrender already. It's a very simple practice, can be practiced anywhere from the middle of a busy urban center to in your car before you exit and go to a meeting to intentionally somewhere in a beautiful place if you prefer. But it's a simple practice. The touchstones are designed to just take two or so minutes where you can just pause in the middle of the activity, maybe close your eyes for a few moments, take a few long, deep breaths, expand your awareness into that field of life of unified energy that is holding us that we're connected to everything to feel almost like an embrace holding you and then to be able to open back your eyes to look around to connect with your surroundings and to allow a simple state shift that just comes from pausing and touching into gratitude in the heart and really allowing that state of being to become one that's more open and accessible and available to life. And when you do that, it also has physiological changes in the body, correct? Indeed, it changes. So studies have shown that even just a few moments of that level of present breath, connecting to gratitude, to that sense of wholeness of our own being, it decreases cortisol levels, it increases oxytocin and endorphin levels, it shifts our brain state from high beta of stress into a more relaxed beta or a more alpha state. It changes heart rhythms if we even put our hand on our heart in addition. So yes, lots of physiological changes. Will you talk about flood the yes? Sure, I love flood the yes. So this is building on a practice of having done some of the activities where we're asked to identify what is the yes in your life and to give it full detail in writing, in picture, in awareness and imagination. So we're really tapping on the power of the imagination as creators. And so someone will find for themselves, what is my yes? My yes might be, a feeling tone of happiness and joy and my soul is bubbling along and I'm feeling connected and in love with everything around me. And I'm right in the sweet spot of my contribution professionally and creatively and I'm seeing beauty of nature. So these are some of the things that are part of my yes. And it can be very specific if we're wanting to create a job shift or a baby or, you know, so my clients have gone as specific from I'm pregnant and I'm having a healthy pregnancy and I'm having a beautiful baby to um, creating new possibilities for themselves in the field of possibilities. And so then once we've identified that, yes, we take a few minutes and we just flood our awareness. So closing our eyes, breathing deeply, seeing all of these images of the fulfilled, yes, you know, that yay. And just a couple of minutes totally changes your state. It brings us into a place of joyfulness, of faith, of connection. And more beautifully, it gives our incredibly 
a powerful brain circuitry, a map to go get busy and start creating what that person is seeing that feels so good because it's the connection, it's the electromagnetic marriage of the power of thought and the power of emotion. Which is the power, which is the catalyst between the two, correct? Correct. So it isn't just thinking it, it's feeling Mm -hmm. it and the emoting of it. It's both. In the Gnostic uh, gospel, Jesus was found to say, right, we don't really, none of us really know if Jesus really said this. But in the Gnostic teachings, in the gospel of Thomas, this is what Jesus called when the two become one. Right, Greg Braden has done a tremendous amount of great work. This is where I learned this this piece from Greg Braden, that when the two become one, because we are electromagnetic beings. We are wavicles. We're particle and we're wave. Wavicles, that's great. Yeah, I love that, right? And so it is both. It's a marriage of both. So flood the yes. That's that was when I read that and practice it a little and I thought that it is a very powerful feeling state to be in to to marry with the thought or the imagination piece definitely and you know Sarah uh, I'm sure that you've seen this yourself as well that as we walk through the world we often will find that there are people who are using that same power with worry and with Mm -hmm. stress and and using our precious thought consciousness on focusing on what we don't want, right? So the the Dalai Lama actually said something that was so brilliant when asked, what do you do when things aren't going your way and things are going poorly and badly and horribly? And he said, well, the first thing is don't focus on what you don't want, right? Second, focus on what you do want. And third, put everything in that infinite pool of light where everything is in a state of becoming and fourth walk through life as it is already so i just love that i actually don't even want to ask you now about the last the other touchstone i was going to ask you about because i think that piece the the four pieces of advice from the dalai lama kind of encapsulate everything Mm -hmm. but i'm going to ask you anyway Because I just think it's brilliant. So will you talk about drinking the quantum? Sure. I love this one. And um, this is very simple. Sometime throughout your day, take a break, fill a glass of water, and then take a deep breath. And as you drink the water in, you are drinking in the quantum field. You're drinking in wholeness. You're drinking in love. You're drinking in energy. You're drinking in nourishment, fuel, consciousness. And so this functions on many levels. On the most base matter level, most people are dehydrated. Water is a conductor. In fact, I love the perspective of of, uh, Dr. Emoto, the Japanese scientist that did so many beautiful studies on water, that our love, uh, our loving the water, our having an energetic awareness of gratitude and love as we are with water, so as we drink it, actually crystallizes the um, the molecules into beautiful mandalas of unity and wholeness. It's actually, re- our love restructures water. Our bodies are, what, close to 70% water. So that when we are consciously in relationship to water, we are restructuring our own cells. 
Some would say that we have trillions of cells that are all water circuits, right? So that this is a way we drink in the quantum and we are able to immediately connect to the waters of our own body. The water that's going in a glass of water can increase our energy by up to 40%, right? Instead of that espresso, <laughs> just drink some water. So that's what drink in the quantum is all about. And, you know, I do trust that that um, water is alive. It has consciousness and it, it wants to respond to the messages we give it. As we wrap this, which I realize I'm looking at the time, I'm thinking, mm -hmm, this could go on a long time, which it will after the um, interview. But as we wrap this, I'm wondering what one or two things you want to leave our listeners with that will help them as they go forward to get more clear about what it is they want and how to um, manifest that in their lives. Mm, beautiful. The first offering I would give is to really honor what they know by heart and that if they're not in touch with that or aware of that, to make it a offering and gift that they give themselves to really drop into what do I know by heart? Who am I? Who am I? Why am I here now? And what is my contribution to bring to the planet? Why did I take human form to really get that intimate and uh, honest with answering that question? And then the second would be to fall in love with their lives and that if they look out into their lives and see places where they're not in love, to then again, do the deeper inquiry work of what would it take? What do I love? What do I love? Because love bonds us. And when we get bonded in love with something, we naturally become lit up protectors, lovers, connectors. And then this, this is the time. This is the time where uh, the power of love is becoming stronger than the love of power. And every one of us can choose that. That's beautiful. So I want to thank you for giving of your time today. I, was, I said at the beginning, I was looking forward to speaking with you and meeting you. And you are a gift in many, many ways to me personally and our listeners. So thank you for your time today. Oh, thank you. It's been an honor. Well, that's it for this week's edition of the No Labels, No Limits podcast. We hope you like what you heard, and if you did, we ask that you go over to iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to the podcast and leave us a rating and review. If you know someone who would enjoy this podcast, please be sure to share. And until next time, have a great week living a no labels, no limits, and no excuses life.